Play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. What up, Radio World? We're back here today. Just a reminder, Stanley, we are back on the live radio <laughs> where the FCC Mother Fuchs. is listening. <laughs> so keep it clean today. This All is right. not the uncensored version. This is not the uncensored but version. But you should definitely check that version out. Yes, you should. So, guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, it is your favorite engineer on the PC ones and twos. What up, beloveds? It's Stanley Fritz. You can follow me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can follow me on Instagram and look at my Jay-Z concert highlights at Stan Fritz. You can follow me on Facebook where I start Facebook Wars About Believing Women at Stanley Fritz. Or you can go to Snapchat where I got a couple of snaps up right now at Dark Skin swindle good morning and <laughs> welcome to let your voice be heard right here on whcr 90.3 fm the voice of harlem that was stanley mine and your favorite engineer um my name is selena hill on twitter and instagram you can find me at miss selena hill and of course this is the radio show where we talk politics foreign policy social justice and pop culture from a diverse millennial perspective. Happy Sunday, guys. I'm very happy to be here. It's been two weeks. Last week was Thanksgiving. The weekend before that was my birthday weekend. And last yesterday, I spent eight hours in a spa. So I'm feeling very rejuvenated, very and very relaxed. Alyssa? Um, yeah, I'm good. Uh, hi, everybody. Hi, Facebook Live. Um, hope you're seeing us. I know these kind of microphone stands get a little bit in the way, but um, after all, it's a radio show. So as long as you can hear what we have to say, that's always good. Um, so my name's Alyssa Fuchs, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs. And that's Alyssa with an I, or on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs. That's I-L-Y-S-S-A-F-U-C-H-S, like the curse, but it's a H instead of a K. Or you can leave a comment on the Let Your Voice Be Heard Facebook page where the live video is streaming or on the Politically Preposterous fan page that you can find by Googling uh, Politically Preposterous or going to Facebook.com slash Politically Preposterous or Poll Preposterous on Twitter. Um, so we'll be taking your comments there and we have a really good show coming at you today, don't we not? Yes. So what are we talking about? We're going to be talking about tragedy, and we're starting off talking about the tragedy in Libya with modern-day slavery. This is something that has been ongoing, but it just recently came into um, more public eye because of a great report by CNN. Shout out to the Real News. Um, so they exposed this for what's going on, and we're going to talk about why this is happening and how it's happening and what you and I can do to stop it. Later on in the show, we'll be talking about probably more about um, Stanley's Jay-Z experience, some other trending topics, and then we'll get into a in-depth conversation about the GOP tax reform bill and how it's going to leave our country in tragedy as well. And then last but not least, we're going to stay on the theme of tragedy when we talk about net neutrality and how this can hurt um, internet access, especially for disenfranchised communities. Um, isn't that right, Alyssa? Yeah, definitely. I mean, essentially, it could end up making the internet cost just a whole lot more on one level and definitely also slowing down your internet um, if you do not want to pay more, potentially to the point where you can't use it at all. How will this affect my porn? 
Um, <laughs> good luck watching it. Oh, <laughs> no. Unless you want to pay some extra money. But I'll talk about that more later. Only and, three minutes of streaming. Um, well, you know, <laughs> that, that sounds like a, another uh, issue. Personal Stanley, issue. A personal issue. If you only need three minutes of it streaming. <laughs> um, but, you know, we can talk about your uh, con- lack of control problem later on. <laughs> during today's show uh, or after the show. (laughs) Yeah, probably after the show, guys. And of course, we want you to let your voice be heard. So that means if you're watching us via Facebook Live, hey, uh, make sure you leave your comments. We will be taking comments and reading them off. Shout out to Deborah who already left a comment. Hey, mom. Um, (laughs) Hold on, is that your mom? Yeah. Oh, okay. Shout out to Alyssa's mom. That's all right. It's like you. You email your mom when you rather email Jackie. I know. I know, right? Uh, Accident right there. Um, Yeah, you can also so call into the show and be featured on our show. All you have to do is call 212-650-6903. Again, that's 212-650-6903. All right, Selena, sorry. Um, yeah, you can also tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. Um, we'll be taking questions, comments there. So, yeah, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, and we're going to go on a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking about modern-day slavery. Don't go anywhere. Alyssa's pointing one finger at me, and I know she's telling me to do something, but listen, guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz with my scully cap on because I'm still slightly sick. I'm also here with Selena Hill and, of course, Alyssa Snapback. Hold on. Fuchs. I think you got me sick. Hold on. You're sick. I'm yes. getting over a cold. And Alyssa has Y'all got me sick. You got Alyssa, me sick. Yeah. Listen, you guys are the ones that made me do a walkthrough when I had the flu. All right? Yeah. Jordan game. I put up a Jordan game that day. Yeah, you sure did. All yeah. right. So, oh, I wanted to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Gregory Neesmith. He's actually a radio host here at WHCR 90.3 FM. He says on Facebook, shout out to Let Your Voice Be Heard. I'm looking forward to this show. He has a show at 1 o'clock, by the way, so guys, stick around for that. It's really good. And he ends by saying, I won't be in today. (laughs) (laughs) So don't stick around for that because he won't be in today. Um, Don't listen to Stanley because we we stopped listening to men a long time ago. We just listen to women now. Basically. All right, though, guys, and we're going to be Don't say believe women because I will start a big fight. Trust me. Believe women. No, we're going to be talking about the sexual allegations later in the show and how Stanley's friends and fan base do not believe women. I don't have fans, Lena. Whatever you want to call your followers. You know, I I don't want to divert because I know we have a really, really important topic to talk about right now. But, you know, like, yes, believe women, except when it's proven that they went to the Washington Post and lied about something. Well, that's the only time. And we'll talk more about that because Stanley's followers are women haters. All right, guys. So despite being in the 21st century... Africans are being sold in open-air slave markets. You guys probably know what I'm referring to. It's the Libya slave trade, which sparked global outrage following a release of a CNN report last month showing video of a slave market in Libya, as it was actually going on. In the footage, migrants are... We're being auctioned off for as little as $400. Now, this video, it shocked the world, and it refocused, well, actually focused international attention on the exploitation of migrants and refugees in this northern African country. In response, on Wednesday, leaders of Libya, France, Germany, Nigeria, and four other countries agreed on a plan to evacuate thousands of migrants struck in Libyan detention camps. Now, a big question being asked is, 
who is buying slaves in Libya. So smugglers who are unable to get the people, who are unable to get people into Europe are holding them against their will. They're holding them hostage. And, where, and when warehouses overflow or migrants run out of money to pay the smugglers, some are sold into slavery or even prostitution. Another question a lot of us are asking is, why is there a slave trade in Libya to begin with? Well, there are a combination of answers. One is the fact that Libya's government has been splintered in wake of the killing of Muhammad Gaddafi. And uh, uh, the influx of people from Nigeria also led to this situation where uh, men and women are being stranded and held hostage and in some cases sold. Uh, we know that Muhammad Gaddafi was oisted in 2011. And since that happened, the country descended into a civil war. Uh, the transitional government has failed to implement a rule of law. And instead, uh, there are uh, fractions of um, tribes, gangs, and militias uh, just running rampant in um, Libya. And basically, uh, slave trading and smuggling is a lucrative industry, and they don't really have anyone there to stop them or to hold them accountable. So that's pretty much what's going on in a nutshell. Uh, before we open up and delve into uh, who's to blame for this crisis, because I know it's, it's a lot of different factors, I actually want to start this panel discussion by asking you guys to tell me your personal reaction when you learned about the Libya slave trade. And of course, if you're listening, call us up at 212-650-6903. And then you can also <laughs> leave comments on Facebook Live. Stanley, what was your personal reaction? So my first reaction was, this is not real. I was, I, I thought it was one of those things where people were just sharing it because like somebody made a fake meme, and then I looked into it and it was real. And um, when I found out it was Libya, I gotta say, unfortunately, I was not surprised. Um, and not because like Libya is just like us places like especially like slavery. That's not it. But when you invade a country and you destabilize a government, and you don't stick around to kind of clean up that mess, you create the atmosphere for outside sources and evil partners to come in and kind of take over. So, you know, unfortunately, this is what happens. Right. I mean, listen, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, what My first reaction, I wasn't surprised um, because... In today's world, there's very little that surprises me anymore. It's like it's really hard to be shocked given, um, you know, the crazy stuff that our own president here says. Um, but I also wasn't surprised just from a policy perspective, uh, because one of the major things that the Obama administration um, sort of screwed up in some ways, which I know we're going to talk about later in the segment, was the situation in Libya. And, you know, too many people say, oh, liberals don't hold Obama and Hillary accountable enough uh, for certain actions that were taken during the administration. And for some people that may be true, but we here, um, while we're not going to play into fake news about things like Benghazi, um, we are going to discuss the real issues. And I think, you know, so for me, that was a big thing that came to mind, which was what role did the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton play in the destabilization of Libya. Um, but in addition, I also started thinking about, you know, whether or not, um, you know, this would have happened if we would have let Gaddafi stay. And I, I think the answer is no, but it also made me think about whether or not we should have left him in power, which right. I think the answer is also no. 
Okay, well, before we actually uh, further discuss that, uh, just to give you guys some notice on how I felt about it. So a number of celebrities started talking about this from Al Sharpton to Cardi B to Pharrell Williams to Chris Brown and Tessa Thompson, who's a sweetheart. I met her. Um, And they were talking about the outrage. And I think Cardi B did a fantastic job uh, giving her commentary in a very real and authentic way. And and she um, actually talked about NATO and how this is all how NATO is not being held accountable and how this is all motivated by money uh, and capitalism, of course. And I think and I was really, really happy to hear them, um, to, to hear these celebrities use their platforms to uh, give some give more attention and spotlight to this issue. And um, on top of that, just want to point out, on the other hand, our president, he actually did not comment specifically on the reports of Libya. Instead, he tweeted out after the report was released. He tweeted that CNN International is spreading fake news. Okay, and it was it was pretty ambiguous. That was actually Libya that did that too. The, right. The so af- well, after that oh, tweet sorry. came out, Libya used that tweet to further propagate um, that position that this isn't really happening. So thanks Donald Trump for spreading fake news. All right. So uh, Alyssa, you know, you talked about. U.S. intervention in um, Libya. So what happened uh, was Hillary Clinton, Obama, during the human, uh, Obama's administration, uh, they made a number of policy decisions that caused instability in Libya. Now, before the U.S. intervened into this country, uh, Libya was very stable and they posed no strategic threat to the U.S. or our allies beforehand. In fact, there was a lot of fake news going around that, you know, that they, they you know, they had... um. Well, I'm not going to say the weapons of mass destruction were fake, but like they were going to be some type of threat and that Gaddafi was going to start a war. And he was actually using um, giving his um, militants Viagra so that he could rape people. It's no, like the reports seem crazy and bizarre now, but it was believed that was actually this happening. Was, this was believed. Well, I, you know that for a fact that was happening. Like that was a report that they got in the ground and like there was a big upsell of people trying to overthrow Gaddafi. That's why the U.S. government got involved. Because they see, they saw it as like a place where you could actually intervene without having to stay there forever. And they built up this coalition where it was like the United States, obviously leading from behind with the UN, and they were supposed to help, like help these rebels fight, support them, and then help them start a transitional government. What happened was that the Republican Party made a lot of big noise about this and and really put a lot of pressure on the Obama administration, and then would not certify them to continue their work. So once the U.S. kind of fell out of sorts and couldn't do it anymore, the whole coalition fell apart. Right. I mean, listen, people also need to understand that Gaddafi was not a good person. He was a dictator. He was an authoritarian. The country may have been stable. That is true. Um, But there was a ton of human rights abuses going on and there was multiple other problems within the country. Um, You know, this is very similar in some ways to Saddam Hussein, which is the country was very, very stable, Iraq, uh, for a good portion of history while Saddam was in charge there. But there was numerous human rights abuses and other things going on. The biggest difference between Iraq and Libya is that at least for a certain period of time, the U.S. government honestly, or maybe sort of not honestly, believed that there was actually weapons of mass destruction there, which there wasn't, but that's another show. Um, Getting back to Gaddafi's situation, I mean, this happens a lot. The U.S. always wants to get involved and intervene in other places in order to either stabilize or destabilize them for the United States' own self-serving purposes. Um, And in some cases, that is a good thing because they claim 
They want to do it to eradicate human rights abuses, which is a valid goal. But at the same time, you have to find some kind of balance. And that's where the question becomes hard, because Gaddafi really was, like I said, a bad person. But at the same time, when you get rid of somebody who's in charge for so long, you leave this power vacuum. Um, And if you then leave and you don't stay there and continue to interject money and resources into the country, then you're going to have this kind of situation going on where you now have millions and millions of people trying to get the hell out of there um, and becoming refugees and then some of them being sold into slavery. And so those are all bigger picture issues about U.S. involvement, um, you know, and it should also not be discounted that part of the reason why the U.S. gets involved in these places is because of natural resources that the U.S. wants. Yep. Oil. Uh, Stanley? So I, I actually do have a question if it's okay with you, Selena. Yeah. So um, you want me to hold it? The, no, go ahead. Just say the question because now I need so, to know. You know, a lot of people make noise about how we did with Iraq and we stayed there so long. But my analysis of the situation, and I get this from our former foreign policy expert, Jason, when he talked about Iraq, he said the only way we can stop the problems in Iraq is if we sit there and we colonize it. He said we're already doing that, but we're just not calling it that. I think that you, you would have to do the same thing with Libya. What do you guys think? Well, yeah. Uh, you first, Selena. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a very interesting take on it. I mean, the word colonization just strikes up so much, like, outrage and 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 hurt feeling like hurt history like so i i don't like it but it is a truth there i'm not i wouldn't want to call it colonization but i do know that like the country is in complete chaos uh the government there is destabilized and i think that instead of just like colonizing why can't we come up with a system that would keep money like within this region and help empower them economically so that people so that there are more jobs there's more opportunity they don't have stable leadership that's why it's like you can you can do that but like who's controlling the money probably a madman Right. I mean, well, that that has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, you can't create the kind of government that you want when you're dealing with a situation where you have so many different factions of people that come from different backgrounds and different religions that all want to get involved in running the government. Um, and that may work, I guess, in theory here in the United States, although even that is questionable today, uh, which we'll sort of talk about during the second segment. Um, that becomes very difficult. You have all these different sectarian groups. You have different religious groups. So it's not as complicated as, like, give them the economic tools and allow them to prosper. Um, But, you know, to get back to Stanley's initial question, you know, this is like the quintessential thing in Vietnam. You want to go all the way back. The French colonized Vietnam. They lost at Dien Bien Phu. They were kicked out. The Vietnamese then had this thing. The communists came to power. The U.S. government went there to try and keep the communists out of power. And ultimately, what happens? The U.S. has to withdraw because they realize the only way to permanently prop up the South Vietnamese government is to stay basically forever, which is not a feasible solution. So they leave, and what happens? The you know the North Viet Cong and uh, the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong end up winning the war, and Vietnam becomes a communist country. Um, you know, which basically is closed off in some ways to the rest of the world until very recently. That is a completely other show, but that is an example of some of the things that you're talking about. If you wanted to create a stable situation in Libya, like Stanley points out, you would have to do something like that. And America does not have the money or the resources to spill those blood and treasure all the time, um, you know, for another country. We have enough problems here at home. And I know that sounds like a crazy nationalist point of view, which I am clearly not a right-wing nationalist, but at the same time, we also have to draw a line in the sand. This all leads to a situation where you now have slavery, which is something that I think we're trying to talk about within this segment, but we're trying to also give you some context of why that is happening. Stanley? 
Yeah, so I actually wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit and read a comment from Facebook. Sure. So we got a comment from Jordan Innocent. Jordan, thank you so much for listening. And he says, it's crazy how we talk about the lesser of two evils when it comes to us, but what was lesser of two evils in that circumstance? That's a really mm. good question. That's really cool. Wow. Because now that uh, that lesser of two evil in Libya is dead and we have a slave trade. Yeah, and and you know what? Um, I'm glad that you that um, Jordan brought that up because another reason that this is happening is, if you look at it, is capitalism itself. A lot of these migrants who are uh, leaving Libya, some of them are actually being funneled as cheap labor uh, in the same way that immigrants from Mexico and Central America are being are brought here or recruited to the U.S. to work on farms in like California and Florida, and it benefits our entire economic system and capitalism. That's what's happening here, too. So I don't want to... Um, like negate the role that capitalism is also playing here. No, absolutely. I mean, listen, why did people in the South, in America, slave owners on plantations fight so hard, literally fought a civil war to keep their slaves? Because it was free labor. You can't beat free labor. What's better than being able to turn a profit without having to, you know, actually pay your workers? You can, of course, make more money when you're not paying the very people who are producing the goods for you. So it is extremely clear that capitalism has a large role to play in it. These are migrants that are literally trying to get out of Libya to seek a better life. And what's happening? They're being sold into slavery because they have no other options. Yep. On that note, we do have to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll continue this discussion about the slave trade in Libya. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. If you're on Facebook Live, you did not hear it, but I brought the show back in with the Jay-Z song, Show You How to Do This, Son. Went to a Jay-Z concert on Friday. It was an immaculate performance. <laughs> and now, if you're wondering what we're talking about, we are talking about the Libyan slave trade, and I'm here with the host, Selena Hill, and of course, the wonderful Alyssa Fuchs. Yes, and we have a comment about the modern slave trade going on in Libya. Callie McAnee says, the police do this daily in America by filling the jails and people profit off of black people in prison. I don't feel like it's any different. And unfortunately, I'm not surprised. Thank you so much, Callie, for sharing your insight and perspective on the modern day slave trade. I am completely aligned. I think that uh, in addition to the instability in uh, Libya, um, Libya and capitalism, I think anti-black racism plays a huge role in why these Africans are being sold into slavery and why this is happening right here. So if they were white, if this was like slavery happening in Italy, or <laughs> no, seriously, laughable. if this was laughable. slavery happening in Italy or in Spain, do you think that'd be, like, you think Taylor Swift would be tweeting about it? Yes, I do. What's the difference? Stanley. I know, but I, what happened? Look, we're doing the show. I got to ask questions, <laughs> all right? <laughs> yes. So I, I think that, you know, Kelly made a great comment by saying that, I mean, we have, the world has a history of enslaving uh, black people and people of African descent. So I think that because our role also shows that they don't care about black lives and white supremacy has ruled the world, or I guess white people are just so savage that they take advantage, rape, kill, and murder other people that don't look like them because of their own insecurities, I think that's a big role. But the slave the slavers are, are black this time. 
in this case. Um, I just want to pick up on what Callie said really quickly. Yes. Um, when slavery was abolished, you know, and everyone thought everything was fine, what actually happened was that's when the South, in order to like restructure their power, they created all these vagrancy laws, and they would literally arrest black people on the streets for anything and put them into jails and right into chain gangs to work on those same plantations. So yeah, Callie, you're a thousand percent right. Right. Well, before we went on break, Alyssa brought up, uh, she made a few good points about U.S. involvement. According to Alyssa, she says, you know, we don't necessarily have the money, the resources, the energy to colonize or to permanently stay in Libya to help uh, this country restabilize. Nor should we. Nor, that's what Alyssa says. And I want to throw that question over. Well, I want to throw the question of should the U.S. government get involved to you, Stanley? And of course, you guys, if you're listening via Facebook Live, uh, or uh, you can also call in at 212-650-6903. What do you think? I don't think it's a question of should we get involved. We have to get involved. We are a big reason of why it's the mess that it is like it is now. But understand what that means if we get involved. We are there for the long haul. Now, do we want to be there for the long haul? Does it benefit us to be there for the long haul? Probably not. So it probably means we're not going to do anything besides maybe bomb a couple of places and throw a couple of million dollars. Don't expect the orange man to do anything because his whole thing is make America great again. So, you know, on what planet do we think that uh, Donald Trump's, you know, going to get involved and spend money in other countries? I don't know, unless he thinks he can get something out of it, like, you know, oil. Um, But, you know, just going back a second, you know, we're... Well, well, before you uh, switch gears on that, I I would say that the U.S. actually does have some interest there. We're building a $100 million drone base in Libya, and I think that, like... Which makes it easier. Right. And I think that taking their resources and militarizing that country so that we have control is definitely in u.s imperialistic but that's what you're missing we probably already do and we probably if we're doing this there we're building that military base there this this drone base that means more than likely we're looking the other way on that government so we can do what we want we do that all over the world that's the whole point that i was exactly trying to make which is in terms of the human rights aspect of it don't expect the u.s government to get involved to say what are you doing about the large amount of slave trade that's going on because the u.s government's interest is to work Work with the people that are probably involved in some of the slave trade in order to be able to build this drone base. So we're yeah. going to turn the other cheek to the slave trade going on in the first place because it doesn't help our interest to say to Libya, um, stop doing this or we're not going to put money into your country because they're, you know, well, well, we'll put it like this, like regardless of how like how. We get involved. I think one of the main things that we should be focusing on is taking a humanitarian approach. Um, for instance, like uh, Rwanda, their foreign ministry, they actually extended. Rwanda? Their, yes, they actually as- extended their asylum uh, to 30,000 Africans who are stuck in Libya. And I think that if we did, I mean, OK, I know it's not going to happen, but I think that we should at least push and fight for it. Yeah, we should push and fight for it. But you're literally talking about a president and a government that's trying to reduce the number of refugees coming here well so i mean like i just i don't know maybe i'm super super cynical no no you're you're you're, you were not cynical you're accurate but for the people who are listening who want to do something that is something that is a target right there that we can be pushing for we can be pushing to get temporary protected status for 
people coming from Libya to get them um, refugee status for people coming from Libya. We absolutely should what, be so doing that. So they could that. be shot by the police like the week after they get Ooh, here? Damn, you shoot, you you got them bars today, Alyssa. I'm sorry. It's just like, you know, <laughs> people talk about Donald Trump calling it as they see it. Saying crazy stuff isn't calling it how you see it. Saying things that are true that people don't want to hear, that's calling it how you see it. You want to hear some numbers on this? There are two, 20 million victims of slavery worldwide right now in 2017. Human traffickers make $150 billion a year in profits. $124 million a year is spent globally on fighting human trafficking. 68% of those people that are slaves are being exploited for their labor in the agricultural, construction, domestic work, manufacturing, and mining sectors. 22% of those people who are slaves are being sexually exploited. 99% of those people are women. 10% of those slaves are state-imposed slavery, meaning they're being forced into labor of the military or paramilitary forces, including child soldiers. Each year, the slave trade industry makes $150 billion in profits. $99 billion of that comes from sexual exploitation. $34 billion comes from construction, mining, and manufacturing. $9 billion from agriculture. And $8 billion from domestic servitude. The money is there. The people are not doing anything because of the fact that there is too much money involved, as Selena pointed out. Well, and that's the reason why I think that we should be stepping up to do something and to pour resources into this country. And, I mean, slavery and other egregious abuses of human rights, I think they have no place in the 21st century. And I think that the U.S. needs to make amends for all of the... Well, it could try to make an amends for all the wrongs that we have done, uh, specifically in Libya and throughout history, by at least stepping up here. I don't mean to be a negative Naquan, but... <laughs> But what about the fifty? Th- what about the fifty thousand people who are sex slaves in the U.S. that we're not dealing with? You know what they do with sex slaves in New York, in the United States, um, especially children? They arrest them. That's right. true. We criminalize it. We're not even dealing with it here. Well, so how I mean, gonna... I mean, there are a number of activists on the ground who are pr- aggressively fighting to change laws when it comes to sex trafficking and to help these children uh, and, and people who are victims of this. And they get serious pushback. And thank you for those activists who do this amazing work. But like, we can't even get our government to like to be on the side on the right side of history here. Well, you know what? Human right violations they affect people everywhere, and I think that like. If it's happening there, it's happening here. And I think that we need to definitely look at things from a global perspective. Like, it seems like the only time people really rally around uh, taking some type of action on, on, a, on a global level is when it benefits us monetarily, like especially when it comes to like corporate greed and capitalism. But I think that w- if we could think with like put our hearts first and realize that these ab- abuses that are going on there, it's still it has like a trickle effect everywhere. If it can happen there, it can happen here. Um, I want to read a comment we have from Facebook Live. That's okay? Yes. So we have um, a comment from Michael um, Abramovich. Forgive me if I butchered your last name. I apologize. And he goes, as an Army Iraq war veteran, I believe the only conflicts we should be getting involved in are conflicts that pose a direct threat to the U.S. It's bad enough that these conflicts displace millions of people and create refugees. The other is the other cost is the lives of service members who are there because they believe in what they're doing is for the safety and security of the U.S., in addition to the lives cost, the veterans will be coming home to a VA system that is underfunded and is on the brink of privatization. That's a really good point. It is. You are not, we're sitting in here talking about, oh, we should go there, we should do this. You know how many people are going to have to go there and risk their lives, their mental health, only to come back and not have jobs, not have health insurance, not be able to take care of their families, be homeless, not have the mental health assistance that they need. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a segment about it because 
our government, if it's still controlled by Republicans and billionaires, are, is not going to address it. Well, you know, this goes back to my theory about everything is related to everything else. You cannot look at one issue in a vacuum uh, when you're talking about, you know, sending troops over to try and stabilize or destabilize a country. You are inevitably, as you, you know, our great commenter just pointed out, um, now creating issues domestically in terms of how you're going to fund those people when they come back, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I guess the question is, if we're not going to have a military solution, which I, I don't think is a good idea, and I think the people in this room agree with me is not a good idea, then what are some of the solutions that our government or that we can take as individuals in order to solve these kinds of problems? Um, because ultimately, yes, sitting here and talking about them is good because we're informing you guys and we're educating you, but how are we going to empower people? And before I answer that question, I do want to say, if you want to call in and let us know, we'd love to hear from you. Our number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. And maybe this is because I just have a one-dimensional way of thinking about this thing, but I really do not know any way that we can change this unless we intervene. I don't think it should just be U.S. intervention. I think it needs to be a coalition of people to go there and intervene and, like, help to, like, that's the only way you can stop it and have people stay there. Because the reason that these forces are happening is because there's no one here with enough power and money and resources to put a stop to the bad actors who are leading the show right now. Well, well, you know, like Alyssa mentioned this earlier um, when we were talking about like the the only way we'll go into or send like troops on the ground is if um, an area becomes a threat to us. Now, let's just say. ISIS or Al-Qaeda really starts to take over different regions, then we'll go in and then we'll actually like try to help these people or, or try to stop this from happening. But I don't think it should take that. Right. No, I mean, I agree. And I think the, the, the best way that we can look at at this point about the U.S. and the U.S. involvement is, do you know the country in the world where the most people are currently living in slavery? It's India. You see America invading India, getting in fights with the Indian government? Yeah. No. Why? Because India in theory, has a stable leadership, number one. And while India may have resources, India is sort of a partner with the United States. So again, this also comes back to the fact that the U.S. government goes into places where they can exploit people yep. and where they can gain um, you know, money and resources um, through capitalism. I mean, listen, and it's not just the U.S. government. There, I'm sure, I am 100% sure, um, and I, I don't have actual facts on this, but I, I can say that common sense dictates that I am sure that there are American companies that are in oh. Libya right now trying to take advantage of this situation. And you might not be hearing about it uh, because I'm sure it's not companies like Apple or McDonald's or, you know, you know, Blackwater. Uh, you know but like exactly. It's companies like Blackwater, like Z, like, you know, military institutions, companies like that, that are there because they know that they can exploit this crisis even further. Um, and I don't need to see actual piece of paper that says their name on it to know that stuff like that is going on. Absolutely. So, um, I will just add three other things that we all should and can be doing to stop this crisis. Number one, be informed. Uh, if you watch the documentary in, on CNN, I would say do a little more digging and a little more research because some experts who are very familiar with what's been happening in Libya say, first of all, they, they I've, I've heard experts say that um, CNN was actually exploiting and sensationalizing the issue without really digging into the policy decisions and the U.S. involvement and the fact that and, and not really hold, holding like NATO uh, accountable for not really take, uh, executing and helping this crisis. So I would say. 
be as informed as possible. Now, uh, in addition to that, there are a number of organizations that have been fighting and that dedicate resources and energy, money, and human beings to these countries uh, that to help stop human trafficking, whether it's India that Alyssa, like Alyssa just brought up, or it's Libya. Uh, for instance, the, the International Organization of Migration, they put out a report about this slave trade in Libya back in April, and they also repatriated 13,000 people from Libya under a voluntary program. So if you really want to support uh, and put your money where your mouth is, the IOM could use your support. Uh, in addition to the IOM, the United Nations Refugee Agency, the World Food Program, Save the Children, and uh, Doctors Without Borders, these are also organizations that fight uh, the root causes of slavery. And the root causes of slavery are extreme poverty, displacement, and refugees who need help because they're vulnerable people. Last but not least, Alyssa brought up companies. And now we can't specifically name which companies are benefiting. We can call out some companies in Silicon Valley because it's been shown that tech companies who have online uh, platforms, traffickers are actually using these, uh, using social media and using these, uh, using these tech companies to false, falsely lure people into um, migrating and falsely lure them into the hands of smugglers. So. I've been the first person to call out Silicon Valley when it comes to different issues like this because I think that, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, platforms like this, they have a huge societal um, obligation because they are just so influential. So I think that they can definitely step up and crack down on this, uh, if you will, element of fake news, which is actually hurting people and enslaving people. Wow. So what I would say about this, um, is it okay? Yeah, last comments. You know, everyone's really frustrated and really powerless about this. Follow all the advice Selena gave, but also you can be very active and vigilant in the human trafficking happening in the United States right now. Just about three weeks ago, they saved four girls in East New York, Brooklyn, who were about to be pimped out after they ran away from home. Sex trafficking is a huge problem in this country, and we can address that. Right. And uh, Alyssa, um, last question for you. Why should people care about this? <laughs> it's a hard question. I mean, people should care about this because... Um, they have a heart, right? Because, you know, I mean, think, put it this way. Imagine that you were poor um, and, you know, somebody came and kidnapped your child or kidnapped you and sold you into slavery. And now you are being sent to another country uh, to work for no pay, uh, to be beaten, to be abused. This is a human problem. Um, and especially those people that call themselves religious, uh, you know, because if you call yourself religious and you, you care about, people um, and you care about their struggles, then you should especially care about this issue. Um, you know, it's hard to convince Americans to care about this issue in isolation uh, because in many cases it's not happening to them. But you have to understand it affects everybody because when we have people still uh, enslaved today in the modern world that are being exploited for their labor, um, that affects all aspects of everybody else's life in ways that you may not even realize it. So, um, you know, even if you are not particularly or directly affected by this issue uh, know that you may actually be affected by this issue in some ways regardless of the fact that it's not registering on your radar and you know just from like I said from a human perspective you should care about this because in 2017 it just blows my mind that we are still buying and selling human beings absolutely 
I want to end this segment with a quote. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. That was Martin Luther King Jr. And his words, that quote speaks directly to this issue of modern day slavery, this crisis. Because you know what? The reports from NGOs and human rights groups, they've been putting out reports about slavery in Libya and other parts of the world for years, for decades. And it's been falling on deaf ears. Thank God for CNN and thank God for technology and the fact that videos can now go viral and we can spread uh, issues like this with just a click of a button and a half a millisecond. But before that, I'll, I'll be frank with you guys. I didn't really know what was going on. And I feel like people just didn't care. They didn't care. People in Congress, uh, our government officials, our U.S. ambassador, like, the reaction that Nikki Haley had to this crisis, it was shameful. She was just like, she like she made like a like a blanket statement. Like I, I get it. Like she was trying to show compassion. She was like, this should eat at the conscience of everyone. No, no, Nikki, we should take a step further and actually do something about it because that's how we're going to be judged. And that's what's really going to that's what that can really that is what really can help people. And I just wanted to end with another quote from Martin Luther King. He said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our friends when they finally choose to speak up, but they're in action in the face of human tragedy. Enough said. On that note, we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're heading straight into the news roundup right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. You body that, Selena. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill and, of course, Alyssa Fuchs. Jackie Coe and our other correspondent slash co-host just joined Facebook Live. Thanks for joining us, stupid Jackie. And we have just finished talking about the slave trade in Libya, and we had a lot to say. But now it's time for the news roundup. And this segment is very interesting because if you're listening right now, if you're on Facebook Live right now, if you can call right now, hell, if it's two days after today and you're on the podcast, you can participate where we share our favorite news stories, things that made you laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or be mad you didn't hit a show when it was live. Sorry, beloveds. And I know Selena has a couple of news stories, so hit us. Well, I'll actually throw it to Alyssa, who on break was very excited to tell us new poll numbers regarding Roy Moore. So Roy Moore is running against Doug Jones in um, Alabama. Like and, and Stanley feels like mansplaining me. Um, that's what's going on. Um, anyways, before I get there, I just want to let you know, Gregory Neesmith left a great comment on our Facebook Live, which is a great resource where you can go find out more information about what's going on in Libya. So if you're interested in this topic, definitely go check out the stuff that he posted. Um, now, getting into the news, 71% of Republicans in Alabama believe that the allegations against Roy Moore are false. Um, so... Are you surprised? No, because apparently Republicans will believe anything that Fox News tells them. Right. And I said during our break, Fox News is effective. Twitter, Donald Trump is extremely effective in tainting the minds of Americans who are already not educated enough to make critical decisions that require critical thinking. And then when we were talking on break, 
Alyssa said, and correct me if I'm wrong, she was like, you know what? Maybe it's time to stoop to their level. No, I didn't say exactly that. I said people are always saying that the the left should not stoop to the level of Fox News. Um, And in most cases, I agree with them. I said, but at the same time, and Stanley then said, we shouldn't do that. And I said, yeah, but that's why we keep losing. No, we don't keep losing because of that. We keep losing because racism and sexism. That's how we keep losing because people hate black people and women more than they like being able to live a healthy life with clean air and incompetent people running the country Th- that may be true but we're also what i meant is like we're losing the narrative which is they are able to continue to perpetuate their narrative and make all of their listeners hate the environment hate black people hate the pro- hate obama hate everything under the sun like they are good at the propaganda and, and that helps them to win well you know what that, that, i think that's the point that i'm trying to make the propaganda is racism and sexism that's what it is everything starts from that and then you splinter out because if you ask most white people if you think people should get public assistance they are more likely to say yes until they find out black people are getting it if you ask white people would you have a problem with other people being in power they're more likely to say yes well if you ask anybody they're more likely to say yes until you mention women in power well, well, even with things like health care and climate change, yeah. the Republican Party has been extremely effective in getting their bases to vote against their own interests. And I'm not I know for a fact that racism and sexism does somehow affect everything. But I think with climate change and health reform, like they're not racism and sexism isn't as prominent. They're literally yes, telling the OK, explain. Racism, sexism, and healthcare, and also climate change, because people are voting against—they're voting for thing policies that hurt their pockets you know, and hurt their communities. Because the groups that will benefit the most from from universal healthcare are black people and women. That's and why poor white people. Yes, but black people are getting it, and that is a problem because food stamps benefit poor white people too, and they push back against it. When you talk about environmentalism, when you're talking about cleaning up our water and our in our, in our dirty air, you know who benefits from that? Poor people. Do you know who white America perceives to be poor in this country? Black and brown right, perception, people. Perception, but the, they, the but, fact is, the most but, people who get food stamps are white. Yeah, not but perception black. is enough. You have a whole government right now that perceives black people to be one to kill cops, and they're doing an investigation, even though white people ran Charlottesville down in flames. So, Stanley, how do we change the narrative? How do we educate people? Cancel white people. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's not going to work. Well, you know, there you was know, a really interesting article that was written in the New York Times this week that was, you know, talking about, it was written by a black guy, and you should go read it. I actually think I might have sent it to you guys. Um, but it talks about how it, it looks at Tanashi Coates, and it looks at somebody else, and it looks at this theory that Stanley's also putting forth, and it says that, yes, that theory has a lot of truth to it, but it's not the only thing going on. Um, that there are several different facets, and that we cannot look at this theory Uh, just in a vacuum. I think it's probably right. Um, But to just give you a perfect example about this, right? So I was looking at on Twitter the other day and there was people commenting on Senator Chuck Schumer's uh, basically tweet tweet about how the tax bill, which we're going to talk about during the second segment, was a scam. And this woman wrote, the American people are tired of money being taken out of their pockets to be put in the pockets of politicians and the elite in this country. She clearly was not talking about black people specifically in that sentence this country you the politicians in the elite you work for us we're taking this country back and what i did was i sort of subtweeted her as a retweet and i said the funniest part of this tweet is that she doesn't realize yet that this tax bill literally transfers money from the poor and middle class to the wealthy elite and politicians and the bill she is praising does the very thing she claims to hate so there's sort of also this cognitive dissonance there from white people that watch fox news that is sort of separate and apart from the racial the piece, aspect the piece that you're missing there is that she 
she thinks that the politicians and the elite are then taking that money and giving it to, as gifts to black people and women so that they'll keep supporting them. It always returns to race. And listen, you can't talk about racism without talking about capitalism because racism and slavery is a fuel that has driven capitalism to be the overpowered machine that it is today. But it always comes back to racism and sexism and white people are trash for the record. Well, point well explained, I mean, Stanley. I'll, ad- I'll agree, disagree, because I, okay, I don't well, think oh, it's... Oh, you agree so, with that last part. Hold on, no, hold on. I, so what are you, th- what are you saying, I, I, agree really with, I agree with what Stanley says, but I think it's not just that. I think there are multiple factors, and by just couching it in just that, then you ignore other things that You're are right. also You're right, it's important. also a hatred of Muslims. It's also a hatred of undocumented well, people. We could say it's more than just that, but it always well, comes back to just that. Well... The way I understand it and perceive it to be is that, yes, there are a number of different factors, and it sounds like, Stanley, correct me if I'm wrong, but underneath all of those factors, there's an underlying, like, common theme, and yes. that's racism, and that's what you're saying. And so, sexism. So you're, so you're not discounting the other factors. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, these are the drivers. Like, when if you see somebody complaining about states' rights, it's only a matter of time before you hear an N-word or see a Confederate flag. When you hear people complaining about people getting too uppity or people, like, trying to do more than they're supposed to, it's not that long before you hear some sexism or you hear some homophobia. It always comes back to those pieces. The and isms. Like, yeah, and it's not necessarily a white people thing. White people just have, happen to be leading the league and being trash right now. Right. But there's always been this and there always will be this, unfortunately, because humans suck. Right, and oppression is a moneymaker. Uh, I just want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, a lot of things happened this week. Russell Simmons actually stepped down <sighs> from all of his businesses. And just to give, I mean, everyone knows Russell Simmons for what he did for hip hop. But on top of that, he has been one of the leading voices when it comes to advocating for uh, so, uh, social justice rights, whether that's police brutality, uh, gun violence, gang violence. He was always on the front lines at these protests, at these marches and using his platform to for the better good of the people, especially people of color. So he's not stepping down from activism, but he is stepping down from all of his multi-million dollar businesses. And I will say that I actually had a very conflicting reaction to it. And I left a comment on Tamika Mallory's post. Uh, Tamika Mallory is one of the leading activists who um, actually started uh, or organized the Women's March. Two people called me out on it and they were like, Selena, that comment you left was a little like they gave me some side eye because I said kudos to Russell Simmons for stepping down with such grace and humility um, about after the sexual harassment uh, revelations were basically put out there. So that was my personal reaction. Um, Stanley, I know that you've been advocating for women ever since these allegations been coming out starting from Harvey Weinstein and I wanted to kind of talk about the reaction you've been getting in your inner circle amongst your friends fan base whatever well first off that Russell Simmons story was a gut punch because he's been a hero of mine for a long time yeah I just I'm not inclined to believe these women are going to make up stories we need to get to the bottom of this we need to take these women seriously and Russell Simmons did the right thing to step down right but if he is guilty of these things and once again I'm inclined to believe the women because why would they lie then he needs to be held accountable um I just, I just have a very simple philosophy and it's that if a woman says someone sexually assaulted her sexually harassed her someone is making her feel uncomfortable more than likely she is telling the truth because it's way too much damage and drama you get for even bringing these things up for someone to risk 
lying. So believe women. We don't believe women. 14 women said Donald Trump sexually assaulted or harassed them. We didn't believe them. We decided that Trump could still be president. Look what we have now. We have women all over this country who are, we, one of four women in this country are raped. But silly, you wrote that on Facebook, and what happened? Well, when I wrote that on Facebook, a, a whole war t- popped out. People felt that I was saying that if a woman says these things happen to them, we should just throw the man in jail right away, which is not what I was saying. And then people felt that women lie a lot about like their sexual assaults and that women target men and women will hate somebody and do these things. And I don't know what comic book they were reading about where women were in, but like those things, it can happen, I guess. But it's not the norm. A, a woman, in, most women are not gonna just pop up and just like say, "Hey, you raped me." And now there are other racial implications because we have to remember there's a history of white women saying that black men did things to them. But even in those cases, it wasn't even the white women. It was white men who assumed or said something because they because of their own insecurities about black men and they converged on them. So, um, you know, like I just want to stand true one more time. Believe women. Believe women because a lot of men out here are trash, myself included. And if you look at <laughs> no, seriously, I'm myself included. Yeah, if you look in the mirror, I promise you, you have upheld rape culture. You have done some rapey stuff. You have said some rapey stuff. You have harassed a woman. You may have even like conformed to abuse culture. It's, it is what it is. And like now you can change it. Like let's be real about who we are and what we've done so we can be better people. Well, speaking of people we need to believe. Michael Flynn actually came out saying, I've been lying. Well, I have lied about the Russiagate. And initially I lied when it was first, um, when charges first came about. Did um, did he actually collude with Russia or help the um, Trump campaign in that way? So I know Alyssa wants to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a big deal because, um, you know, he was only charged with one count of lying to the FBI, which seems to indicate that uh, he's being granted some kind of leniency. And the really only reason you're ever granted that kind of leniency is if you are snitch, snitch, snitchy, snitching. Yeah, man, he must be singing something, something. I'm telling you, he only got five years. He gets to keep his military pension and his rank. What is he saying? What is he telling? Um, well, I mean, you know, uh, th- th- norm- the other thing that you have to keep in mind is when they're flipping somebody, they're not flipping somebody to rat on people that are below them. They're yeah. flipping somebody to rat on people that are above them. And while Papadopoulos, the other guy who pled guilty, he may have been a very low level uh, type person within the I mean, within the high level people that Trump was uh dealing with according to trump he was just the coffee boy although you know he attended that very high level meeting so i don't know that you know coffee boys attend high level meetings with presidential candidates and or uh you know president elects but um you know clearly michael flynn was not the coffee boy um and there are not many people who are higher in power than him um and so you have to assume if he's ratting on somebody it has to be either donald jr or jared kushner or steve bannon or mike pence um and then the craziest thing that happened was yesterday donald trump all but admitted to obstructing justice on twitter because apparently donald trump has never read the constitution or the fifth amendment or never seen an episode of law and order where they tell you you have the right to remain silent anything you do or say to the police or on twitter can be used against you i was like out of the house most of yesterday what did he say okay hold on let me pull it up 
Uh, Wait, so why is she looking for the tweet off well, of that? No, I just wanted to say really quickly, let's remember how much Trump, like, stood behind Michael Flynn. He said in a number of rallies, he's a good guy. He didn't do anything illegal. I stand behind Michael Flynn. I have to, I have to have him removed because, you know, a little minor flaw or whatever. So now let's see what he's saying. Um, so, hold on. Yeah, before he this. He says, um, hold on. He was like, I stand for my best to y'all. Yeah, like, like seriously. He said, I had to fire General Flynn because he lied to the vice president and the yeah. FBI. He has pled guilty to those lies. It is a shame because his actions during the transition were lawful. There was nothing to hide. Wait, what's wrong with saying that? Because the whole idea was he claimed that he didn't know about the lies oh. to the FBI. So now if he's saying that he did know that he was lying to the FBI and then he left him on and then he went and fired Comey, that means that he knew about this and didn't do anything and then fired Comey to try and obstruct justice because he didn't want them to get to Michael Flynn. Yo, he is the worst criminal ever. Yeah, I- he <laughs> really is. His son, too. They are always snitching on themselves. I don't like. All like you know how many things there was an email that just found from a high level Trump person who said we need to stop Obama from sanctioning Russia because Russia just helped us win the election. <laughs> they put it in an email. Yo, these people are so bad at being criminals. It's, and like I keep thinking to myself, there's no way that people this dumb could have won the election, but they did. Well. Well, now what Trump is doing, he's actually trying to deflect, right? Deflect, and he's actually been beating up on the FBI, James Comey again, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Uh, one of the latest tweets is uh, report anti-Trump FBI agent led Clinton email probe. Now it all starts to make sense. So he's basically being completely dismissive towards the FBI and saying that they should have been focusing on Hillary Clinton's quote unquote email scandal. I mean, I think that I think Twitter. And him being as transparent or vocal or dumb is definitely working against him in a number of ways. Um, speaking of people who speak too much and then and then it goes viral, I don't know if you guys saw that Victoria's Secret video. Well, there was a, a video of a fashion show at Victoria's Secret. And uh, apparently behind the scenes, a number of the models, they were white. They were caught singing the N-word. And they weren't just singing it, like, just to sing it. Um, just to be fair, they were singing Cody B, I mean Cardi B's Bodak Yellow. And you know the part where she talks about whatever, the N-word? They mm-hmm. said it. And they said it without, like, any shame. Neighbors? And, no, not, not neighbors. They said the N-word. But, like, okay, so I brought this up at my job, and apparently I got a lot of pushback. And they were like, so what? They have the right to free speech. And I felt like Your I was- Your job like, is weird. It, it was a little weird because I was just like- Hold on, I'm not comfortable with white folks using the N-word in any capacity at any time. Alyssa is one of my closest friends. If she ever uses the N-word in front of me, I will feel really bad after we jumped her. But, you know, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Alyssa would you not know, do that. So I went to the Jay-Z concert last Sunday. Um, obviously, there's gratuitous use of the N-word in Jay-Z songs. Um And I managed to get through an entire two and a half to three hour concert, you know, rapping along with all of his songs and, you know, very selectively not saying the N word when he said it. There was a Uh, white couple in front of me when um, Story of Vodra came on and like the white dude was rocking the whole concert. But I made sure I gave him that solid eye contact (laughs) when Story of OJ came on. You know what? He didn't say it. He was probably busting mad N words in his head. head. But I'm gonna let him cook. Right. I'm not say gonna block his blessings. Head because you no, know. No, don't say it out loud, listen. <laughs> no, say it, if you're gonna, you know, like I said, say it in your head if you're gonna say it because you're singing along with the song, or 
Sing the clean version of that song. You know what Jay-Z does on the clean version of that album? Jigga. There you go. Exactly. And I do that all the time because I, I just don't curse at all. But speaking of Jay-Z, I know that Alyssa mentioned his expose in the New York Times uh, own magazine, T Magazine. Uh, Jay-Z gave a revealing interview where he talked about everything from wealth, race, Donald Trump, Obama, Dave Chappelle, and he admitted to cheating on Beyonce. Um, it, to me, that wasn't like the, the crux of it. I was actually more intrigued by Jay-Z's thoughts on our current state of politics and fighting racism. So I thought it was really, really good. I had a chance to actually read the entire expose and then and actually watch the full interview. Um, Alyssa? No, no, no. I, I mean, listen, uh, I, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, he touches on some of the issues that we talk about a lot on the show, you know, race in America. But he also talks about um, black empowerment. He talks about capitalism and he admits to cheating on Beyonce. And he talked about being in therapy, something that is extremely taboo in the African-American culture, especially amongst men of color. She looks me deeply in my eyes. <laughs> He said, and I quote, the strongest thing a man can do is cry. Stanley, are you going to start shedding some tears? No. So <laughs> um, anyone who knows me knows that Jay-Z is my favorite rapper in the whole wide world and that he is the Michael Jordan of hip hop. So hearing him talk about this stuff, I have to like, this is the same man that wrote Big Pimpin'. That's it's true. the same man that wrote Money Cash. I don't know if we can say the H-O-E word on here, so I won't say it. Probably not. But like, he's the same dude that wrote, you know, A Mommy. So... To hear him saying that, like now him saying a 444, him saying go to therapy, and him saying it's it's okay to cry. Those are huge because when Jay talks, you listen. So um, I'm taking it very seriously, and I appreciate him for opening up and doing that because Migos ain't going to have this conversation. Right. No, yeah. no, you're right. I mean, it, listen, even his concert was very, very intimate. The way it was done and the way the stage was set up with these, um, you know, these screens that sort of were right on top of him where you could almost see the sweat like dripping off of his face as he was performing. It was just like a very intimate look at him. And I think that's sort of what he's trying to do. And he talked about using the art, uh, him and Beyonce using their art as therapy. Um, So, you know, that's really sort of what was going on. And you could definitely tell that through the concert um, and his live performance. Last but not least, Jay-Z is worth an estimated $810 million. But you know what he said? Money has not changed his politics. That's true. So you know what? Kudos to Jay-Z on being all about the people. What's not about the people is this new tax reform bill. We're going to go on a quick break, but then we're heading straight into the GOP tax bill. Light jigger, dark jigger, faux jigger, real jigger. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. in the heart of the city. (laughs) You know, first the fat boys break up. Not every day I wake up. Somebody got got a problem problem with Stan, actually. Nobody, who has a problem with you? I said believe women. People diving in my inbox talking spicy for show. Yeah, for real. It's true. Listen, I think that here's a way to solve this. Women, if a man tells you they don't believe women, don't let them hit it. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the men who don't believe women won't be able to get none. We are oversimplifying solutions <laughs> to sexism here. No, no, that, that'll be pretty effective, actually. You think so? Yeah. All right, guys. I, you dudes will start believing real fast after right that. Right now, I believe you. I <laughs> believe. Like, you're bossing on you. I believe everything you said, beloved. <laughs> Why don't we go have a kickback at my crib? <laughs> I'm telling you. You can be like, yeah, you got to believe it for 90 days before you get that kickback. Sure, 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 Yeah, exactly. You got to prove that you believe Stop me. Stop blocking your blessings. Shoot your shot on day one, guys. I can't. Ladies, just become lesbians. It's real. It's no, Alyssa, that only helps Alyssa. 
Anyways, right, that call only, me. That only helps Alyssa. That's true. We are back on what your voice we heard on 90.3 FM WHC are the voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, what up? This is Stanley. I'm here with Selena and, of course, Alyssa. And we have had a great show so far. We started off talking about the slave trade in Libya. Then we went to the news roundup and talked about everything from Jay-Z's long behind interview to Michael Flynn about to drop a major dime on Donald Trump to Donald Trump actually snitching on himself on the Twitter streets because that is what white men who are unqualified to be president do. Oops. Anyways, guys, we are shifting gears because as incompetent as Donald Trump has been, the Republican Party has been competent enough to look for new ways to destroy our lives. And on Friday night slash Saturday morning, after weeks of fake debate and conversations and all sorts of ideas that came out that scared the crap out of people, the Republican Party in the Senate passed legislation that will leave 13 million people without health insurance, cut Medicaid and Medicare, increase taxes for poor and middle class families. And you know why they did this? Because they want to give millionaires and billionaires tax cuts. You think I'm kidding you? No, I am not. This tax plan will take away the tax deduction that people in graduate school get to use for paying their tuition. It will take that away from them so that billionaires can write off their jets. It takes away the deduction that teachers use when they spend money on school supplies out of, the, out of their own pocket. It takes that away so that billionaires can be able to pay less taxes in their pass-through income. You know what pass-through income and their is? their jets. Their jets. Yes, of course, their jets. You know what pass-through income is? I'm so poor, I couldn't even tell you. Go make $10 million, and then you tell me about it, I guys. can explain it, but we can get to that later. Yeah. And, like, do you know who's winning from this big, this new tax plan? Because a lot of people feel like they're going to see some extra money um, on, the, on the front end of this. They're not. But you know who will? Apple, Google, Pfizer, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Citibank health insurance companies that want to make money off of you, all those people are going to make millions, no, billions of dollars, and it's going to leave our economy in a $1.3 trillion deficit. Not billion, not million, not thousand, but trillion. And while that's happening, it is going to raise taxes on everybody who is making less than $100,000 a year. And if you live in New York or California, you're probably going to be spending even more money in taxes now because they got rid of the, de- they got rid of the deduction that you got for paying high local taxes because everyone knows the city taxes in New York City and I'm sure in California are ridiculous. So now we are sitting here after they've passed this plan and it is time to pick up the pieces because you know what? Even if we might just be screwed, it's important that everybody understands what is happening. So now most of you probably know this, maybe most of you know or maybe you don't know that this bill got passed in the dead of the night mm-hmm. around two in the morning. I was on my way back from Philly from the um, Jay-Z concert and we got a notification on our phones and the tax bill had passed. The bill was written that day by lobbyists. Literally, Joanne Reed, who works at CNN, I mean, pardon me, at MSNBC, was saying how there were lobbyists in the bullpen in, in the Senate houses, and they were literally writing the bill right there to the point that right before the bill was voted on, a 400-page bill, they were still putting notes in the margins of the bill saying that they were going to do things to make changes to it. So as we stand right now, Congress passed a tax bill. The Senate passed the tax bill. Now they have to work, go together and fix the bill up so it's the same. They can pass it together. And guess how many people know what's in the bill? Nobody. Nobody. Because they didn't even write it. So, guys, <laughs> before we even get to anything, did you even think this tax bill was going to pass, Lena? Well, um, well, I would say this. Because Republicans run Congress, 
I did think that it was going to pass because number one, in order to pass in the Senate, they needed at they they could only afford to lose two votes from um, Republicans, and one of those votes that they did not gain was Senator Bob Corker, who's retiring, and he definitely voted against it. But they were effective in getting every other Republican on board. I think it was hard because you have people who are so far right, and they were like, it doesn't go far enough, and then other people who are like a little bit more moderate, like uh, who were who are a little bit more uh, moderate or, or more fiscally conservative, they were saying like, you know, this is gonna lead our country in a deficit by trillions of dollars over the next 10 years and that is not a conservative principle so they had to put in a lot of work in order to even to get this to pass but you know in trump's world anything goes um so first thing i wanted to point out is yes this passed the senate but it now has to go back through the budget reconciliation rules um so it is not on its way to the president's desk yet. Um, I do think it eventually will pass because Republicans are trash um, and they want to screw middle-class Americans. And middle-class Americans that vote for Republicans seem to think they're going to get a benefit from this bill, when in reality they are not going to get a benefit, but that's later on. Um, But I just wanted to point out that there is this possibility that because the Senate bill and the House bill have so many differences in it that when it goes back to the committee, uh, they now have to reconcile the two bills. So just to give people an idea of what's going on who don't understand the process, which is because they're doing this through the budget reconciliation rules, the House passed their bill, the Senate passed their bill, um, but they're two different bills. So in order for them to become law, they now have to be reconciled into one piece of legislation that then has to go back to the House and be passed out of the House, and then it has to go back to the Senate and be passed by the Senate, and then it has to go to the president's desk. So there is still a possibility that when they go to try and reconcile the House bill with the Senate bill, they are not going to be able to do that, number one, or they're going to be able to do it, but then they're going to lose crucial votes in the House that they need in order to pass the bill out of the House, or B, they're still going to have the votes in the House, but they're going to lose votes in the Senate like Susan Collins, for example, who voted for this bill. But if through reconciliation, there are now things added to this bill from the House bill that Susan Collins doesn't like, she may say, I'm not going to support this. And they can only afford to lose two senators. And if Corker's already come out against this bill, then if they lose even one other person, um, this is going to fail. Uh, So, you know, I I don't want to say I I don't believe that's going to happen. I honestly think this awful piece of legislation is going to become law. Um, But at the same time, there is a possibility that it could still fail, which gives us an opportunity to try and stop it, which I know we're going to talk about later on in the show. Yeah, we definitely are, guys. And if you are just tuning in, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are talking about the Republican tax plan. If you want to call in with a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. If you're on Facebook Live, leave us a comment. We will read it if it's legible and make some sort of sense. And sometimes, even if it doesn't make sense and it's slightly racist, we still read it. Don't ask me why. I want to ask you a question, Selena, because, you know, obviously, like, you're, you're pretty steeped in politics. I think Alyssa and I are a little bit deeper because we're crazy and you are not. So why are the Republicans, this bill, 60% of the tax cuts are going to go to millionaires and billionaires. It's going to hurt the people that voted for Republicans. Why would they do this? Easy, because the lobbyists and those are the people that fund their campaigns. And because there, mon- because there is money in politics, in order for them to be reelected and to keep their seats, they understand that they need a 
ton. They need a lot of fundraising money and they take this money from lobbyists so that they can keep their jobs. And it's something that shouldn't be. But that's basically how it is. Democrats do the same things. Don't get it twisted. But I think that with the tax reform bill, uh, um, I, I think that they're just they're just paying off their donors. I think that if we look at the fact that the tax cuts for corporations are permanent, but the tax cuts for individuals will only last for seven years till 2025. I mean, I think that that's another example of who they work for and who people in Congress work for and the reason why a lot of people are so disillusioned with Washington, D.C. as it is. Right. No, I mean, listen, I agree. Obviously, they're trying to help their donors because this this does not help their constituents. Another thing about this is that's interesting, as you point out, the individual tax cuts are going to expire. I think they're banking on that those individual tax cuts expire at a time when Democrats are potentially in office so they can then turn around and say that your taxes are going up because of Democrats, which is a complete and total lie, um, which I wish I could say the real word I want to say, but we're not doing it on Saturday show today. Exactly. Um, but also, they're also like, they're trying to hurt blue states. I mean, they got rid of the state and local tax deduction, which is called the SALT deduction, which means that if you live in a state where you pay high taxes, like New York, like New Jersey, like California, you used to be able to get an offset of those taxes. Um, and now what they're saying is you're no longer going to be able to get an offset. So, you know, there, there's so many bad things in this bill. On top of the fact they try and repeal Obamacare in this bill, and they insert a provision into this bill, which has absolutely nothing to do with taxes whatsoever, which essentially says that fetuses are people because, you know, abortions and taxes have everything to do with one another. Yeah. And what they also do is it triggers cuts, a $25 billion cut to Medicare and $400 billion cuts for Medicare over the next 10 years. But let's talk about just how trash this bill is because it gets really, really trash. Both the House and the Senate bill denies low-income families, undocumented people, and mid-status households with average incomes of only $21,000 a year the child tax credit. So if you're making $21,000 a year or less, the child tax credit, it's gone for you. But if you are a family of four making $500,000 a year or more, you get a $4,000 tax credit. If you are a single person and you have a child, you only get a $75 credit now. And, and like... And that's the stuff that, like, just doesn't make any sense. And it's like, how do, they, how do they rectify that? Like, how do they, how do they even market this to their base and like how are they winning their base is stupid <laughs> their base believes that this like, is going to help them well, literally I mean, you you yeah. saw that tweet that i read from that woman who thinks that this tax bill is going to take away the gimmies that she believes that the elite and politicians are currently what? getting when in reality this bill literally robs the, the 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 lowest class, poorest people among us in order to give a tax benefit. This all goes back to the idea that trickle-down economics is complete and total garbage. The whole idea behind trickle-down economics is picture a bunch of wine glasses stacked up on each other, right? Four wine glasses on the bottom, three wine glasses in the middle, two wine glasses, and then one on the top, right? Okay? The idea of trickle-down economics is, is that when you pour wine into the top wine glass, that wine is going to fill the top wine glass and then all the wine's going to spill over and it's going to start filling all the the wine glasses underneath it so that eventually the wine glasses on the bottom gets filled. That's trickle-down economics. But what we know is, and corporations and CEOs have actually come out and said it, is that 
what really ends up happening is the wine glass at the top just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it keeps getting filled with more and more wine and because the wine glass at the top keeps getting bigger and bigger the cup is never runneth over into the bottom cups and so really we're getting peed on not trickled down into so let me explain to you what Alyssa means in policy form wealthy business owners and investors including real estate developers like Donald Trump will get a 362 billion dollar tax cut from the effective drop in the top tax rate for pass-through business income. That's right. And at least 75% of all the tax cuts will go to large corporations by permanently slashing the corporate tax rate from 35% to 20%. This is what we're facing right now, literally. So now, you know, Alyssa kind of explained what's going to be going on. They have to negotiate this bill. They have to find a way to make sure everything looks the same. But one of the biggest takeaways from this was that in order to make this work mathematically, they had to get rid of the individual mandate. And the individual mandate requires that every single person has to get insurance. And that is the way, that is one of the ways that they like they have helped to stabilize insurance costs so that it's become it can become more affordable. Well, no, but, let, let me just cut you off. I'm sorry, Stanley, because the way the reason why they have to do that in this way is so that they can avoid a democratic filibuster. If they were to actually have debate on this bill and do this the regular order of the Senate and what, not being trying to push it through. I'm talking about the individual mandate. No, I know. What I'm trying to say is they have to have a balanced bill in order to get it through using budget reconciliations, right? So they can't, they need this set off. The math has to work. If the math doesn't work, they're not allowed to use these budget reconciliation rules. So in order to make the math work, as you just pointed out, they have to repeal the individual mandate. The other way they could be doing this was to do this through the normal course of order, which would subject the bill to a possible Democratic filibuster, but it would also mean that maybe Maybe they could work with the Democrats to pass a bipartisan bill that uh, that is a compromise, that not everybody gets what they want, but everybody gets a little bit of what they want. The fact is they're trying to rush this through, and the reason why they need this provision to repeal the individual mandate to make the math work is so that they can avoid the Democratic filibuster. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Got so you. sorry to cut into you there. You can continue to explain. Yeah, so, and then because of this, around 13 million people are going to lose their health insurance. But then on top of that, the cost of health insurance is going to go up for everyone, including me, you, Selena, you too. And it can create an atmosphere and we're like, so like, for example, for me, I'm lucky enough for my job. I don't pay anything for my health insurance unless I go to the doctor and I pay my, my small copay. But like it may get to a point now where they can't even do that for you. And then people who are getting health insurance through Obamacare or Medicaid will lose it. What is that going to look like on the ground? No, you know what, Stanley, and, and that's an excellent question. I think who that's going to hurt the most are uh, people of color and women. Uh, reason, uh, reason being, so if more people stop buying health insurance because they're no longer mandated to, and you have less healthy people buying into our health insurance policy system, then what's going to happen, premiums are going to skyrocket, and the cost is going to go up for all the people who are sickly. And the people, like people who who happen to be mothers and who have small children and they understand how essential it is to have health insurance, they are either going to have one or two options. They're either not going to be able to afford it, and if they don't have health insurance, God forbid they have some type of crises, that can that can jeopardize their entire savings. Like, if your kid gets hit by a car and breaks his leg, breaks his leg, then all of a sudden you can't even afford like the hospital expenses and that's going to put your whole like economic standing in jeopardy. So I think that that's something that we definitely need to um, be aware of how it's going to affect all people who are already disenfranchised. It's literally let them eat cake. 
Yep. So, guys, we are going on a quick break. When we come back, we will be talking more about how this healthcare bill will impact us. And, of course, what would, be, what would have been a smarter way to pass a tax reform bill? This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. This is Cardi B. <laughs> Free Meek Mill. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill and, of course, Alyssa Fuchs with the Immaculate Snapback. And we are talking about the Republican tax plan that wants to give a whole bunch of money to millionaires and billionaires. I'm actually going to call it the Billionaire Scholarship Package because huh. it gives them so much bread they can make it rain into their slush funds and overseas accounts. But yep. When we walked away, we were just talking about like just like how ridiculous this bill is. But Alyssa made a really good comment while we were on break about deficits. And I want to give her a chance to really talk about that some more. Right. So, I mean, the other thing about this bill is the fact that, um, you know, the Treasury Department run by Steven Mnuchin was supposed to produce, you know, their fake numbers to show how it wouldn't actually add to the deficit. But because nobody in Donald Trump's cabinet actually knows what they're doing or knows how to do their job, uh, that never happened. So the only analysis we really have right now is from the CBO. And what the CBO says is that this bill is going to add $1 trillion to the deficit um, over the next couple of years. Um, And so that leads back to another issue, which is just the sheer amount of Republican hypocrisy surrounding this bill. Because for eight years, Republicans moaned and complained and moaned and complained about deficits and the debts and they said Obama spends too much money and the liberals spend too much money and yada 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 and now um, they are completely silent about this deficit so apparently it was never about the deficit it was about their blind hatred for liberals and the Obama administration um, because where are all of these deficit hawks why aren't they speaking up where's the Tea Party Um, the Tea Party that spent endless amount of time railing against liberals and the Obama administration saying they spend too much money. Remember, that money was being spent on the people, um, the you know, the middle class people, not the rich people. Um, and these Tea Party people were like whining out of control about the deficit and the debt and out of control spending. And where are they now? They are nowhere. They are absolutely nowhere. They are partisan hack hypocrites. They complained about the debt and the deficit under Obama. Now they are silent. So as far as I'm concerned, they are never allowed to say a single effing peep about this deficit and the debt ever again. Absolutely. Well, I'll say this. I actually heard one of the leading Tea Party organizers justify this bill earlier this morning when I was listening to NPR. He said, you know what? I'm a fiscal conservative and I don't like that the deficit is going to increase, but it's better than the alternative. This is what he literally said. not increasing? No, what? That's, that's the alternative. The deficit. Well, no, no, and the no. alternative tax plan He's, is to raise taxes on the rich and lower them on poor people to generate. Spies. And when poor people have more money in their pocket, they spend more money, and that gets the whole economy going. That's why liberal economics works and were conservative you, economics were you, doesn't. Were Sorry. you done with that quote? Really? No, I wasn't. Sorry. So no, it's all good. But uh, according to right wing propaganda, the alternative would have been the Democratic bill, which he said would have raised taxes taxes by billions of dollars so he's literally saying this on NPR radio and he was like yeah it's not the best of you know it's not the it's not the best thing in the world but it's the best that we could do so former members of the Obama administration are actually reacting to the high level of hypocrisy that the um, Republicans have had because remember when Obama was president like Alyssa said they made all this noise about the deficit so Jason Jason Furman who served as the chief economist of President Obama said part of me feels like 
excuse me, part of me feels a bit like the next time Democrats are on power, they shouldn't pay for anything and shouldn't use congressional budget office scores. I try to resist that mentality. I don't think we should chase people down to the bottom of a toilet, but it seems an awful lot of people are comfortable at the bottom of the toilet. It just makes me, makes me feel like a sucker because we tried so hard to be accountable to the things they said we weren't to. Well, you know, and another thing I just want to add, I think that because we know that the deficit is definitely going to go up in a few years, this is only going to give Republicans more justification and more reason to start to slash social programs, on, which no, 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 has long been on their agenda. But they're going to start to say, look, we just can't afford Social Security. We just can't afford Medicare. Right. Because we can afford to give tax cuts to rich people. So here's my thing. And like now I'm taking I'm taking some of this from a quote um, that someone said um, that, Gold, that John Goldman said. He said, but if de- Republicans can make up these tax plans that don't add up anywhere, but can just say that, that just say that it adds up in their own models. Why can't we pass Bernie care? Why can't we give everyone free education? Why can't we do all the things we want and then just say, like, it works for us in our mathematic models? And that goes back to what Alyssa was saying, mm. was Democrats have to play the game of Republicans. No, right. and, and I think it's, but I think what Republicans do well, they oversimplify their talking points. No, they lie. And, and yeah. they sensationalize. <laughs> they, no, you're okay, giving they them lie. too much credit. No, you're giving no, them too hey, much credit. Hey, but, but, okay, I, I, I'll take that. I'm giving them a lot of credit, but I'm just saying from a PR perspective, they don't try to, they don't use, like, elitist terms and wording. They don't really. Uh, Selena, they don't dumb. They, 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 they don't dumb it down. You're using Republican talking points. No, no, no listen. Not. You know what they do? They dumb it down so no, that exactly that's what I'm saying. Constituents think they're going to be helped by this bill Look, when they are not. What? There are white people that live in Kansas that are on Medicaid. Okay, this bill is going to hurt them. They are going to continue to vote for Republicans because they're scared of socialism. When in reality, this bill is reverse socialism. It steals money from poor people and redistributes it to wealthy people who don't even effing need it. Alyssa, you're turning red. Selena, go ahead. <laughs> Look, I'm at the point and I'm just going to calm it down a little bit. No one may agree with me, but I'm at the point I no longer have an interest in protecting the protecting the interests of the poor white folks that voted for Donald Trump and continue to support him. I say do it. Let them lose their health insurance. Let them lose their um, benefits. This is what they want. This so, is this is exactly uh, what they want. Uh, and I do understand that in addition to his constituents and his base being hurt, obviously the most disenfranchised people in the most vulnerable communities are also going to feel that. But I, it kind of almost feels helpless at this point. And I think that the the same thing that we saw happen in 2008 right before we elected uh the first black president in the US sometimes it looks like things take a downturn before they get better selena the great recession erased 60% of black wealth what do you think this would do right and you know what the great recession was caused by the policies of george w bush and what were the policy of george w bush this same crazy tax plan that no. republicans are trying to no this is worse this but, is i know worse. i'm just the point that i'm trying to make is tax cuts for the rich right yeah. that's what caused the 2008 crash it, it well i mean it was more than just that there was obviously the housing bubble subprime lending a bunch of other things that we don't have the time to get into right now but a big part of that was also the bush tax cuts the bush administration Dave tax cuts to the rich that were not paid for, that were put on America's credit card, and then what happened? The entire economy crashed, and then we had to spend taxpayer money bailing out all the banks. Um, you know, so 
these plans, this is like insanity. This is Republicans constantly repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And this is why I say, like, trickle-down economics does not work. There, this is a long-time debate between liberals and conservatives, which is Keynesian economics versus supply-side economics. And maybe in some situations, supply-side economics might work at a very small and local level. But on a national scale, when you're talking about 313 million people and a large country, yes, we should have a simpler tax code, but we should have a simpler, fairer, more equitable, just tax code that allows the poorest among us to pay less and keep more money in their pockets and makes the richest among us pay more. And when that happens, the poor people will have more money. They will put more money back into the economy and everybody, including the rich people, will benefit from that. So guys, we, we got to start wrapping this conversation up. We are... um more or less out of time. So if, if you have, like, any quick last thoughts on this, like, give them now or forever hold your peace. Selena? Yeah, no, I, I would just say, like, I, I'm just ready to talk solutions. I'm pretty sure you're going to bring that up when it comes when it comes to your closing, Stanley, because Alyssa brought up a great point. It has not been signed into effect yet. It has not hit the president's desk. So there are still a number of steps that we can take when it comes to calling our Congress people, making sure that we go to rally. Stanley, you were just at a protest yesterday. I'm thinking I'm guessing you were at the one with Mayor Bill de Blasio yeah. uh, and a number of other elected officials in New York who were saying no to this tax plan. It hurts New Yorkers. It's going to hurt the majority, the mass majority of the people. And on top of that, we have to continue to in our effort of educating people because if they knew better i'm pretty sure they would vote very differently yeah so um just really quickly i want to give you guys some some actions you can do um we are working on getting some buses so people can go to dc on tuesday to shut it down and to protest and to let our elected officials know just how ticked off we are about this tax bill because this tax bill is as bad as everyone has told you it is. It is It is not being over-exaggerated. It is not at all. So, you know, we really wanted people to come with us to D.C. But if you don't want to come to us to D.C. or you can't come with us to D.C. for any other reason, but you want to get involved, we do want you to make sure that you are calling your elected officials. And you can call them with this number right here. That number is 202-224-3121. Again, that is 202-224-3121. And it's a switchboard that can get you to any U.S. Senator that you would like to speak to about this, but there are definitely a few you should be talking to. Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, John McCain, Bob Corker. And now, I want to leave you guys with a thought because Alyssa and I had a bit of a debate in here, and I really kind of want to go back to that. And um, I want to talk about, you know, like just after the Revolutionary War, America um, becomes American and get their freedom. And then there was a, there was a, a town in where the super rich were like controlling everything. And they had all the money. Whites were suffering. Blacks were suffering. Natives were suffering. And there was a guy named Bacon. And he started working with the blacks and Native Americans. And they decided what they wanted to do was to overthrow the powers that be so that they could have, you know, their rights to access to food and the, and the water and to housing and to be treated fairly because they were not being treated fairly. And it was called the Bacon's Rebellion. And the establishment was very afraid of that. So what did they do? They, they broke apart that rebellion with some military force. But the thing that really killed it was the way that they shifted the conversation. They gave poor whites a little bit more power. 
they gave them a little bit more status and they, they entrenched black people as like forever slaves and gave them a little bit more power. And because of this extra power, because of this extra status, because of this feeling that they were just a little bit better than black people and natives, the whites confi- like they conformed and they joined forces. They were willing to give up things that would help them for a little bit of more power. And that's what we're dealing with right now with the people who are voting for Trump, for the people who are supporting the Republican Party. They'd much rather have a little more status. They'd much rather feel like that someone that they don't like is not being helped. They'd, ha- they'd rather have that happen, even if it means they get hurt, too. And at that point, your own prejudices will become the thing that kills you. And until we get past that, we will always be in that place. But, guys, we got to go on a break. And when we come back, I'll tell you why your internet may be gone soon. No, I'll tell you why. We're not against rappers. We are back. So, you know, not only do Republicans want to screw you um, on your tax bill, they also want to screw you when it comes to their Internet. And if you want to screw yourself um, by watching some porn, um, you may not be able to do that anymore because, you know, the government may now slow down your Internet so much that, you know, it takes you like five minutes just to see a booby. Um, so anyways, what am I talking about? Because you probably think I'm talking about porn and I am, um, but I'm doing it to kind of get you to understand what net neutrality is and why it's so important. Um, So obviously porn is just one example of something that you may watch um, and you obviously want it to come through your computer screen at a fast rate so that, you know, it doesn't take five minutes for you to see a booby. Um, But let's just say you're Selena and you do not watch porn and instead, you know, you like to watch really important YouTube videos about um, Cardi B. Um, And so, (laughs) So accurate. Yeah, and, and, you know, you want to see what Cardi B's outfit looks like, but you don't want to take five minutes to see what what kind of skirt she's wearing. Um, and it, and it's loading really really slow. Um, and so what do you do? Well, you know you got to pay more money. Um, and that is exactly essentially what is going to happen if the net neutrality rules are repealed. Um, we will become a lot more like uh, certain other countries like Portugal, where we will have to pay a lot more money uh, to be able to see that content that we want to see uh, at a fast speed. Um, otherwise, we will have to wait for things to load like we used to do in the old school. You remember? Um, 56k modems well you know things could go back to being quite like that Um, so before I get into really what the government is trying to do I first want to explain a little to you uh, about what exactly net neutrality is um, and then I can explain to you what the government is trying to do to get rid of it and how that might affect you and your internet usage so net neutrality is a concept where service providers internet service providers or what we call ISPs they are barred by law from blocking, censoring, or discriminating against any content provider. This means that all companies have an equal chance to bring their content to the homes of every single user and that one company is not favored over another company by blocking their websites based on business views by political views. The other thing it does is allows the speed at which you get those internet um, into your house and those videos and those companies to be the same regardless of whether you are watching YouTube um, or whether you are watching Netflix or whether you're watching somebody who's a very unknown person on YouTube who's trying to become famous or whether you're watching somebody who is very, very famous and afford could afford to potentially put their videos up on a place where you might see them um, at a very fast speed. 
And currently, the rules made by the United States Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC, say that, well, we're not allowed to curse on the radio, but in terms of the Internet, say that cable and phone companies cannot manipulate traffic. They cannot create fast lanes where certain videos, music, or data is allowed to be downloaded fast, and slow lanes to block or slow down traffic to certain websites. Under the Obama administration, there has been considerable changes in the FCC's stand over net neutrality. They reclassified the Internet as a utility under Title II in February of 2015. And this, of course, made sure that all ISPs or Internet service providers are called common carriers, which means that they are subjected to government intervention so that the masses, which is us, have a fair and equal accessibility to the utility that is the Internet at a fair rate. And so that rich people and poor people can access the Internet at the same rate, so that rich people and poor people can put their content on the Internet at the same rate. Um, and, you know, just to get into a little more detail about fast lanes, Internet fast lanes are the main debate over net neutrality. Internet fast lanes are the ability of ISPs to create different connection speeds at a premium rate for major website content uh, such as Netflix and YouTube. Many ISP providers um, lobby for fast lanes and the Internet fast lanes would make sure that their services would get priority over others and that would allow them to double charge people um, who are already paying once for the connection in order to have fast speeds to watch their videos. Um, I'm going to get into what that would look like in a second. Um, but that plays into exactly what the Trump administration is trying to do. So on December 14th, the FCC will vote to replace current rules that enforce by voting to adopt what's known as the quote unquote restoring Internet freedom order. Another one of those things which isn't actually is what it seems. Don't you just love that when Republicans title things restoring Internet freedom when really what this bill would do is actually take away your Internet freedom. Uh, this order would replace and reverse the open Internet order that was passed by the Obama administration in 2015 and would reclass your broadband service, establishing a quote-unquote open internet regulations that would be imposed on internet service providers. What would this look like? Well, as I said, um, right now you have equal lanes of service. What this would mean was that it's kind of like the HOV lane, right? If you want to use the HOV lane, you have to have more people in your car, but that's kind of one version of it. Here's another one. There's a certain uh, stretch of I-95 in Delaware where if you want to use the fast lane, you can actually pay more money to go in the HOV lane even if you don't have anybody else in your car. And that's essentially what this would be. So everybody else like the regular of people like us, we would be in the regular internet lane where things would load at the regular slow speed. And if you were rich and you wanted to pay more money, then you could pay more to be in the fast lane, which meant your content would, would load a lot faster. Um, so for those of us who are for net neutrality, we want all of the content on the internet to remain equally accessible to all users. That means streaming video, audio, downloading um, should be more or less equal, regardless of whether you're rich or poor. What the Trump administration would essentially do would allow companies to manipulate inter the internet to force people uh, to pay more money to have faster speeds and it would no longer treat internet content equally. Um, right now, no consumer has to pay extra charges to avail themselves of extra services, such as fast lanes for certain videos, um, with the exception of things like, you know, if you want to use like YouTube without any commercials, you may pay more money, but your videos would still, you know, learn at the same, sorry, not learn, would load at the same street. Um, 
this is how the video, the internet would be like if net neutrality goes away. You want messaging, Skype, FaceTime, internet messaging, Google Go, or, you know, whatever that's called, Google, um, it used to be Gchat, now it's called uh, Hangouts. You'd have to pay $5 an extra a month for that, on top of what you were already paying for the internet. That would not give you fast access to other social media sites. If you wanted fast access to social media sites like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook Messenger, LinkedIn, Pinterest, that would be another $5 a month. You want to use video sites, YouTube, Netflix, Periscope, $5 extra a month. Music sites, Spotify, SoundCloud, like what we're on, $5 extra a month. You want to use email, Gmail, Google Drive, iCloud, all that kind of stuff, $5 extra a month. We know this because this is what the internet actually looks like in Portugal. So you pay one fee, a base fee of $54, right, which is kind of like here now, and you can access everything on the internet. And sure, you know, if you want Netflix, that's a paid service, right? You got to pay for that. Sure, if you want to not watch YouTube videos with commercials, you got to pay for that. But imagine if you could not even access those websites without paying for all these additional packages. So what your monthly bill would look like would be like $55 and then $5 extra for each of those services you wanted to access. So by the time you got done, essentially what you would have is a bill that was costing you like a ton of money. Um, and so, you know, just to give that a breakdown. So right now, um, this is sort of a, a great way that we can explain it. Right now, as I said, you'd be paying like $54.99 a month. You get video, email, gaming, social messaging, ev everything. Later on, you would be getting $54.99 a month, but it would just include basic access to the internet. Um, this is without net neutrality. And then you would pay probably like $18 a month for a video package, uh, about $10 a month for an email package, about $15 a month for a gaming package, and about... Um, 12 or $13 a month for a social media package. So, and then you would have to pay additional money to Netflix just to pay for their services. So by the time all was said and done, your internet would probably cost you like $200 a month if you wanted to access everything. Um, so what's going to happen next? Obviously, we're still fighting this. Uh, you should continue to leave FCC comments. Stanley, what's the website for that again? Go FCCyourself.com. You might want to put your mic on. Good idea. Go FCCyourself.com. And in reality, really? the net neutrality fight is also going to continue. It's going to go to the court system. So continue to fight. Continue to call your senators. This is a really big deal, and it really could affect the way you use the Internet. All right. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for explaining net neutrality. Uh, net neutrality. And the last and final tragedy of our show. We had a great show today. Uh, we talked about Libya we talked about net neutrality. We talked about the Republican tax reform bill. And we also talked about a number of feasible solutions that we can take to stop these tragedies. Guys, and if you want to really get on board with the resistant movement, you can support Let Your Voice Be Heard on Patreon by giving us uh, a small donation that will keep us on the air and help us fulfill our mission to inform, educate, and empower. On that note, we just want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in and chimed in on Facebook. So sorry, Kenroy, I couldn't read your comment about modern slavery, but I agree with you there. And guys, if you want to continue to listen to Let Your Voice Be Heard, check out our podcast every Tuesday. It drops on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google, Stitcher. Wherever you get your podcast from. Right, wherever you get it from. And we're also on the internet for now at lybbh.com. That may change after December what was it? December 14th. So 
keep your eyes on net neutrality, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.